0: This is a Squiz podcast, where your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Simone Zaziaris. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Friday the 9th of April. In your Squiz today, new advice on the AstraZeneca vaccine rollout, an overhaul to sexual harassment laws, Beijing billionaires take the lead, and step aside garlic bread. This is your Squiz today. We spoke yesterday, Claire, about the European Medicines Regulator finding a possible link between the AstraZeneca vaccine and rare but severe blood clotting issues. Last night, Prime Minister Scott Morrison and senior health officials said Australia's Immunisation Advisory Group has recommended that the Pfizer vaccine should be preferred over AstraZeneca for people under 50.
1: What Scott Morrison said yesterday is that the incidence of these clots is in the range of four to six cases per million vaccine recipients. And while that is low, what Paul Kelly, our chief medical officer, said yesterday is that it's enough of a side effect to be very concerned about and certainly that's the advice of the experts on that immunisation advisory group. Why they've drawn the line at 50 years old is that it's based on an increased risk of complications from COVID-19 at that increasing age group. So basically that means that you really should get a vaccination the older you are, because we've seen in the case numbers of COVID uh, that certainly there's worse outcomes for older people. So getting vaccinated is a really important thing for them. Uh, But also that there seems to be increased risks of clots for younger people, particularly for younger women.
0: And it seems that this has the potential to really mess with the government's COVID vaccination program, Claire. Morrison has said that there will be a recalibration. And that's not simply because, as we've talked about this week, there are supply issues, but the Pfizer-produced vaccines also need to be in that really cold storage. Yeah, they're definitely a couple of the big
1: issues. Supply, what are we going to do to vaccinate all those people under 50 years old, if not with the AstraZeneca vaccine? Uh, Also, as you say, logistics is a big one with the Pfizer vaccine, just to take stock of our vaccine commitments, the government has made deals with four vaccine producers for almost 150 million doses, but only about half of those have received TGA approval. So there's a whole process if we're going to get more vaccines uh, to go through that whole approval process and then really work out how that's going to roll out. But what it does seem to mean for hopes of having all Australians who want to to be vaccinated, to have at least one dose of that vaccine by October seem to be dashed.
0: Yeah, and Labor leader Anthony Albanese said that the federal government should have spread the risk across more vaccines. The National Cabinet is meeting today, so it's a safe bet that we'll hear more about this later. And speaking of high-profile issues, yesterday the government made its long-awaited response to the Respect at Work report. That report looks at sexual harassment and discrimination in the workplace, and it was handed to the government more than a year ago. There are 55 recommendations, Claire, and the government has said it will adopt all of them, either in part or in full.
1: Yeah, the big changes seem to be putting more emphasis on employers to crack down on sexual harassment and discrimination in their workplaces. That will be backed by changes to the legislation that will make sexual harassment a valid reason to sack an employee. Uh, Also, there's going to be moves to make the complaints system easier to navigate. Uh, Also, looking at that legislation, it's going to be extended to include politicians, judges, uh, and some public servants who are currently exempt. Uh, So it was pretty well received by many who wanted to see that focus on the prevention of sexual harassment. There's some measures in there for that as well. But critics say that it falls well short of delivering the sort of changes that are required to ensure workplace equality.
0: Yeah, the details are still yet to be ironed out, but the government is keen to have legislative changes put before the parliament during the winter session. When it comes to campaigners pushing for greater democracy, there's a bit going on, Claire. Whether it's China's clampdown on Hong Kong's freedoms, Taiwan pushing back against Beijing's reunification, young people in Thailand protesting against the government or demonstrators against the military coup in Myanmar, like I said, a lot going on, Twitter has noticed the uptick in tweets about the issues and has created an emoji that will appear when users tweet the hashtag Milk Tea Alliance. What Twitter said overnight is that 11 million
1: tweets have referenced that hashtag since it first appeared a year ago. Big question about why milk tea. I certainly was interested in that. And what it represents is supporters who have embraced that symbol because those nations, so Hong Kong, Taiwan, Thailand and Myanmar, all have a version of a local milk tea. China doesn't. It only has
0: black tea. So that's why they've adopted it. Mm, There you go. Although Twitter is banned in mainland China, its officials have used the platform to hit back at international criticism of Beijing's policies. They say the Milk Tea Alliance movement is full of biases against China. We've talked a lot in this podcast about China's rising economy, and that seems to be benefiting some Beijing locals. The city has taken out the top spot for the most billionaires. It now has 100 on its list. That's just one more than New York, which had held the title for the past seven years. Still, Claire, a win's a win. A win is a win. And all those people
1: with all of that money means that it really does have bragging rights. It seems that China has had a really good 2020 and certainly some very wealthy people have taken their riches and made them even more and they've hit that billionaire status.
0: Yeah, among those is Beijing's richest resident TikTok founder Zhang Yiming. He saw his net worth double to $35.6 billion over the past year. And that's because more people were tuning into the social media platform look like they say money can't buy you happiness, but I'm willing to give it a go. (laughs) Yeah, why not? Yesterday, Claire, we talked about the rare weather phenomenon called the Fujiwara, where two storm systems collide. As if it wasn't crowded enough over there, now a third system has formed nearby. Just extraordinary. And if you look at any of those great
1: satellite maps from the Bureau of Meteorology, there's all sorts of activity happening over there. It looks really quite wild. Uh, What officials said yesterday is that there's concerns on that coast and there's been advice for tourists near Exmouth uh, to evacuate there. Uh, So fingers crossed that those three systems don't cause a lot of havoc and devastation.
0: Yeah, across the country, those living in Sydney, Melbourne and Hobart and everywhere in between are expected to get their last day of sunshine for a while. An arctic blast is on its way and it's going to bring cold weather, rain, snow and even hail in some regions. Seems like it's definitely time to get those winter woolies out, Claire. Absolutely right. And before we get to squeeze the day pasta and bread are two staples in my diet and now a genius has somehow read all my craving dreams, Claire, and merged the two together. (laughs) You're my kind of girl, Simone,
1: on you. We had something in common. (laughs) We've got (laughs) definitely a a liking for the carbs and yeah, a recipe that you um, have picked out is really quite incredible. Tell us about it.
0: Oh, Okay, it's basically a cacio e pepe bread. So we know cacio e pepe is a pasta with lots of cheese and pepper. It's delicious and now they've basically made it even more carby and popped it in a loaf of bread. It's sort of a little bit tricky to explain, but it's basically 10 times better than garlic bread. Who even thought that could be possible, Claire? Sounds like genius. I popped a link to the recipe in your episode notes. Finally, squiz the day and looking to the weekend, Claire, there are a few obscure ones tomorrow will be the 100th day of the year and the anniversary of the patenting of the safety pin that happened in 1849 and on Sunday it's the anniversary of the arrest of Wikileaks founder Julian Assange after his forced removal from the Ecuadorian embassy in London in 2019.
1: God, that was only two years ago. It feels like a lot longer than that. (laughs) There's been a lot that's happened since then. Uh, What I'm looking out for, the Matildas are playing Germany in a friendly game. That's happening uh, just after midnight on Sunday so you'll need to uh, get a bit of sleep in tonight so you're ready for that. That happens in Germany.
0: Yeah, that one's a bit past our bedtime, Claire. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. And that's a wrap for us this week. We'll be back again on Monday. Have a great weekend. Message Now from our podcast partner, Sunbeam. With so many unhealthy snacks on offer, it can be hard to find something to keep your kids satisfied and happy. Sunbeam's dried fruit and cheese chilled snacks contain only real fruit and real cheese with no artificial colours or flavours. And they're a great source of calcium. It's a snack you can feel good about giving them while you're on the go. Pick up a pack today in the dairy fridge at your local Woolworths, Coles or independent retailer.